You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Mike, is there any way we can make a podcast where it's just like 45 minutes of fart noises? Just like a prolonged, just like... (gasps) And then we just call that Kissed and Solak Show 196 Eagles Bengals recap and put it out there for the people. I feel like it would do well. Cut, print. That's what we're going with for this reaction show. Just that 18 seconds. I I mean, you know, I know you don't want to talk about this game. You know, I don't want to talk about this game. You know, that's how we both feel about this game. I feel like it'd be appropriate. You are kissing your sister here on the Kissed and Solak show. We'll go ahead and go with that cold open, Ben. Ben started the show out. I mean, we, we we know why we're here. Eagles tie for the first with the Bengals. Last time they did it was 2008. And Donovan McNabb. So big day from McNabb, 28 for 58, 339, one touchdown, three interceptions. Oh, my God. On the other side, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 29 for 44, 261. It was Fitzpatrick? It was. <laughs> I hate that guy. Oh, my goodness. He's everywhere. I didn't remember it was Fitzpatrick. <laughs> wow. 13 to 13. This one ends 23 to 23. Eagles tied the Bengals in an overtime thriller, LOL. Ben. I mean, I, I guess we already did the open here, so no need for the fancy introductions. This is, of course, brought to you by SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. We thank you for joining us. I would love to be upset, but I was telling you before, and I know you're always fully invested in these games, but like at a certain point, you got to give me something to give you something as far as my emotion and and just the energy that I put into a game. I was taken out of this game from jump because it was ugly from jump. But Ben, how you doing, brother? Doug Peterson, quote, we didn't want to give them the ball close to midfield. This is from Bo Wolf. And then Bo puts it on ellipses, and he puts, told the team we weren't a smart football team today, which is probably some extremely clever omitting of a middle section there from Bo, but it is a little bit ironic. Yeah, the Eagles lose lose 23-23 to the Bengals. They lose. They lose the game. Uh, (laughs) I, I mean, like, Let's get the you know the elephant in the room out of the way. The Eagles had an opportunity to either elect a sixty-four to attempt a sixty-four yard kick with Jake Elliott, who has previously hit a sixty-one yard kick, or accept a tie. Obviously, the Eagles, as Peterson's bringing up, did not want to run the risk of giving them the ball at the hold position. So on a sixty-four yard kick, that's the Eagles' forty-six yard line, right? Somewhere around there. Yeah, it's like right at right right around the fifty. Yeah, yeah. which is dangerous. Right, yeah, because you. Right, you get it. You get it at the hold, I believe, uh, and the hold would be at yes. the Eagles' forty-six because that's fifty-four yards to the end line, and then another ten yards or fifty-four yards to the goal line, and another ten yards to the end line. Hashtag analytics. Well, and that's the interesting thing is, I'm sure that was a data backed decision, and I'm positive that I don't care. Well, like, I mean, on okay, maybe not data backed, and probably part of that too. But at the same time, if Jake Elliott is kicking field goals before the game, 
and they set his range, right? And his range is right. at 60 and you need 64. That's four yards outside of the range he was hitting in that stadium that day. You know what I mean? Right. And it, and it's also like you were lined up for the 59-yarder. You get the false start from Matt Pryor, which <laughs> heartbreaking to see Matt Pryor on the bench. Just like he looked like he was crying, but also like, my dude, what? Yeah. I, I, but anyway, <laughs> so you're lined up for the 59. Okay, they go for the 64. What changes? And this is a legitimate question. If I'm wrong here, somebody call me on it. What changes for Jake Elliott's process on a 59-yarder versus 64-yarder? What, he was going to take some off the top on the 59-yarder? He was going to dial back? Like He was already going to yeet it at 59. <laughs> he was already going to boot it at full capacity. What's he going to do at 64? Just the same thing. Yeah. Is it less likely to go in? Yeah. But, like, what are you losing here? No. When that went from 59 to 64... That didn't go from, like, he'll probably make this to he probably won't make this. <laughs> it went from he probably won't make this to he probably won't make this. Yeah. What? Nothing changed, really, like, effectually. Uh, and so you elect to punt. Messaging-wise, mm. this is just terrible. Mm -hmm. Messaging-wise, to miss that kick is to go into the locker room and say, listen, we continue to struggle. We continue to play badly. We continue to dig ourselves in holes. We are so much better of a football team than this. We are making dumb mistakes. We are making easy mistakes. Nobody is playing well. We are a bad football team. Nevertheless, <laughs> we got ourselves in a position where we had a chance to win this game at the end of overtime. And even though we didn't, it was good to see. It was inspiring to see this team, this offense... Get that seven-point score. Get that touchdown. Wentz on the scramble to bring it to overtime. It was inspiring to see this defense stop the Bengals on three drives in overtime. That's that's a lot of fight. We got into field goal range twice, and it was dumb penalties that took us out. If not for those dumb penalties, we would have kicked that field goal, and we would have won this game. So we're going to go. We're going to get rid of the penalties. We're going to become a better team. We're going to become a smarter team. Messaging is great. Win or lose or tie. So long as you attempt the field goal. But when you choose not to, you invalidate the nevertheless. You take it away from the team. You say, that was that was nice, but we, we don't really care. We it, it was good. Got us in a position where we could have tried to win the game. We just, we weren't interested in that. There is no, no, no valor. Even falling on the, you know, on the battlefield. Even coming back home on your shield. There is no valor in just denying the attempt. Which I don't like. Maybe that's you know EQ nonsense that doesn't apply in the football field. But Peterson was brought in to be the EQ coach. He was brought in to be the the non Chip Kelly actually relate to my players. And I can tell you, I'm pretty certain every Eagles player wanted Jake Elliott to attempt the daggum field goal, except for maybe Jake Elliott. But that's understandable. So it, I mean, it's just it's it's very uh, uh, there was no wind in the sails anyway. But if there was to be a bluster, if there was to be a gust, a wisp of hope, that's just accepting the fact that it, it, it really doesn't matter. Don't care. We're not going to get better than this anyway. Well, remember, remember the boost it gave the team when they did it to the New York Giants in 2017? That was Jake Elliott's big moment. And I actually have a question for you. Going, I want to go even further back to the decision-making here. December 18th, 2016. It's week 15 against the Baltimore Ravens. And Doug Peterson has a choice to either go for two or settle for overtime. And I supported his decision to go for two. They did not make it. At the time, you didn't like the decision, but you have since yeah. changed your mind on that. Well, yeah, I have a better understanding things, of it. They should have gone for two, in my opinion, and gone for the win. Do you agree or disagree? 
I wouldn't have hated it. I really wouldn't have. Would you have been kind of like but neutral also, on it? Yeah, I mean, so if you if you go by the if you go by the 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 general rule, which is if you're the better team, you want overtime because over another ten minute period, you're more likely to score than they are. Right. You want that added time for the, the the regression of the game, the chaos of the game to level out into the expected outcome. Whereas if you're the worst team, mm-hmm. you go to score then and there because you don't want to play that extra period for, for the, the same but opposite reasons. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, obviously, as Vegas believed, as we believed coming into this game, the Eagles are the better team than the Bengals. You would then subsequently want to play for overtime. Mm-hmm. But also... You know, uh, uh, if they if Doug Peterson says we're a team that goes for two point conversions, we're a team that tries to win games. We believe our best chance of winning the game was converting two, three yards on on fourth and fourth and goal, you know, two point conversion. I wouldn't have faulted him. You know, I mean, that read your team, read the situation, and, and go for it. They called the the play they did on the first third and goal that they had of of the game on the the sixteen play scoring drive. Then I would have killed somebody. But <laughs> if they have a good play dialed up that they like that two point conversion, I don't know, maybe put that second round pick in there. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that that I, I would have been totally cool with that thing. But at least, like, again, like at least you're trying to do something. Yes. You're not right. completely abdicating yourself of your job, which is to win a football game. Yeah, you're not completely complacent about things. And look, hindsight is twenty twenty. I would rather go for two than have Jake Elliott kick a 59-yarder or a 64-yarder. I, I think that would have put him in a better position to win. Obviously, you don't know that going into it, but... I'm always for being aggressive in those situations, and that's just kind of where I lie with that. I, I thought it was a bit of a coward move not to go for two there. Let, let's kind of take a, a general outlook of the game, and like as we have to do pretty much every time we do these reaction shows this year, we can start with uh, we can start with Carson Wentz, who had a bit of an up and down day. I guess would be putting it lightly. Uh, he was 29 for 47, 225, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, just scattershot accuracy again throughout the day. Uh, I, I hated the, uh, the the first interception that was tipped. I thought, you know, this is a concept that is a staple for the Eagles. Mesh sit where you've got the two crossers. you got a guy sitting in the middle of it. You make a little triangle and you read that. Wentz didn't really read that, but there was a tipped ball from they DJ had it Reader. Blanketed. Yeah. Like I thought Logan Wilson was going to pick that or at least break it up anyway. It ends up being tipped and Logan Wilson gets the interception from that. Wentz also missed a, a touchdown in the red zone on the first field goal drive, right? First down, triple shin route. So three short ends from trips to the left. Jackson is the number two receiver. I think it was Ertz as the number three, if I'm not mistaken. Wentz double clutches going to Ertz and then just never gets to Deshaun, who was open. So really indecisive stuff early from Wentz. Uh, and then, you know, just compounding mistakes later on in the game. He misses a, a wide open Jonathan Hightower while, while rolling out. And then the, the next throw, just poor to Zach Ertz. That was the second interception. And how about how about this sequence, right? We get to a point in the game where everyone's starting to get like that itch to tweet about Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts comes in the game. Wentz is lined up at wide okay, receiver. Mike, I want you to understand, you just said we're getting to that point in the game where they have an itch to tweet about Jalen Hurts. But it's like... They've been tweeting about Jalen Hurts 24-7 the past week. But they are ramping it up. Yeah, I mean, this I is the point you, where like you. it's it's kind of accepted at this point that we should be talking about Jalen Hurts. But Hurts fumbles the read option exchange, so that's cool. And then Wentz, like, what was it, the next play, two plays later, has Miles Sanders streaking up the sideline wide open and completely misses him. And it's like, we can't do anything right at the quarterback position Right now, no matter what. And look, credit to Wentz for bringing this team back and tying the game up and using his legs to bail himself out. But it's just it's not good enough against a a poor defense that we saw today. 
with the Cincinnati Bengals. What did you think of uh, Wentz's performance overall? Because I, I think I came away uh, yeah. still just as concerned as I have been. Yeah, worst game he's played yet, probably, right? Like, I mean, uh, it was so ugly there for a bit. Week two is probably worse. The third quarter, including the interception to Ertz, was something. That was, yeah. That I mean, so the interception to Ertz is just about as bad of a throw as it gets. And then the overthrow to Miles Sanders is just anything that's that's deep and outside, right. he cannot hit. It's crazy. Like, he, going back to the week one stab against Deshaun, which I thought, like, you know, like, oh, it's a pretty good ball. Like, Deshaun's cooked a little bit. Like, if that had more gas under him. But now, like, looking back over the course of three weeks, like, he just has not been able to successfully lead any receivers with touch, right? When he's yoding that thing 55 yards down the field, right? Like, the Jalen Rager couple passes in week one. I think those those are, are, are well enough placed balls. But it's just like that 30-yard range, that 25-yard range. That Ertz wasn't even that far down the field. Just a complete mess. The Sanders one, just a complete mess. And we, we, we're talking about mechanics, and I think that there's some value there, but I also just think that he's just, like, missing. Yeah. I just, like, there's no... The, it, the problem is the, the decline in accuracy is too steep and too sudden to be able to say, like, this is the problem. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you see... Like, I, I've, I said this before in the podcast. You don't see quarterbacks just, like, suddenly get way less accurate. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. I don't have a a schema for this uh, oh you know remember when rex grossman in 2007 no like i don't i have no tw- young, late 20s quarterback who just stopped being accurate i don't know what to do with this mm. i like i you know people say like what's the solution i got it for you you know what i mean like and then you know like like oh the offensive structure i mean he's throwing slants and swings like you cannot get easier you yep. cannot get more simple than this he's late to check downs to miles sanders he and sanders cannot get on the same page on route spacing and the flats uh check into slants every time he gets man coverage he's got greg ward he's got zach Ertz. the eagles uh, two weeks ton of levels concepts in the middle of the field underneath guy and then the intermediate guy Wentz cannot hit the intermediate guy they just stop calling him yep in week three nothing yep. they had one intermediate sort of a look to zach Ertz across the middle of the field Carson Wentz completely missed it sometimes they're running that like five step slant that bang eight slant that gets like nine eleven yards down the field but a, a true crossing pattern intermediate they stayed as far ooh, they stayed as far away from that thing as they could I mean like l- sit down and think to yourself about the passes he attempted right you have the the slot fade right you have the Greg Ward Zach Ertz the interception you have sits yep. right Zach Ertz interception you have slants. You have swings to Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. That's the offense. What other route did he look at? Where's the deep right? dig, right? Like, where, where's the intermediate stuff? There's I mean, stuff imagine there. him getting to a backside dig. Right. When was the last time he did it? <laughs> Seattle 2017 or yeah. 2018? Mm-hmm. Like, it's been years. So, like, the, so so you, you, you look at that and you say, well, we don't know what to do with that. You sit with the offense and you say, Okay, well, they're not calling anything. There's nothing. There's no creativity. There's no route running. There's they're trying to get Sanders in space. You know, there's barely anything going on besides like basic install, extremely simple route concepts. That third and goal that I brought up, it's mirrored isolation routes. Right. It's third and three. There's no rub. There's nothing. It's terrible. It, it's 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 you know front pylon routes from the outside receivers. It's quick slants from the inside receivers. It's five man protection with play action to the three yard line. Makes no sense. Okay. Well, you want the so okay. It's on the coaching staff. 
There's no, there's no players. There's no players. <laughs> Deshaun's gone. Dallas Goddard's gone. You have no playmakers. Yeah. So Jared Rager, there's nobody. It's Deontay Burnett. D- Doug Peterson said out loud, we're really going to need to rely on J.J. Michael Whiteside And then play Deontay. And then play Deontay Burnett over him. Yep. They have nobody. They have no. But, uh, Peters is down. But here's what's crazy, right? You, you look at the 49ers this week. Th- right. They dominated the New York Giants. They're missing quarterback one, running back run, running back two, tight end one, tight end two, wide receiver one, CB one, CB two, CB four, DE one, DE three, DE four, DE five, LB two, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, center okay. one. Okay. Where did you have that list? Because at first I was like, he's remembering this really well. And then I was like, there's no way he's remembering this. <laughs> dominated them. Banged up. So I don't yeah. want to hear like the injuries, well, exactly. you know? <laughs> right. So, so. And and this like I remember when the Eagles lost to Washington and oh how I wish then I knew what I knew now <laughs> when they lost to Washington I said like it takes a team effort to blow up that badly and I mean Mike I'm here to tell you it takes a team effort to continue to be this bad mm-hmm. nothing is good which you know the conver- we had a conversation in Slack around like the second quarter when you know it still looked like the Eagles were kind of better in week three than they were in week two it's so interesting to look at the ways that Wentz is being understood and the way that the injuries are being understood and the way that the front office and the coaching staff is being understood relative to the 2019 season when the Eagles were less banged up on offense than they are now. And there was a lot more defense for Wentz at that time. And there was a lot more defense for that coaching staff at time at that time. The Eagles go through the offseason trying to fix the wide receiver position. They bring in Marquis Goodwin, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager. Everybody is excited by this. None of it works. Week three, we're already more banged up than we were. And there's so much frustration with Harry Roseman. There's so much frustration with Doug Peterson. There's so much frustration with Carson Wentz, all of whom have done bad things overall. Yeah. And it's just, it, it, it's, to me, it's like there's no lighthouse in the fog. There's no, nothing is good enough to calibrate to. Nothing has been regular enough or predictable enough over the last season and three games for the Eagles that you can say, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like. What is it supposed to look like, Mike? This offense hasn't been what it quote unquote is supposed to be, what it's wanted to be literally since like the middle of 2018. This quarterback hasn't been what he was supposed to be, what he was since 2017 before the injury. This coaching staff and offensive offensive design staff hasn't been what it's supposed to be, what it was since the, the brain drain in 2016. So yep. I don't even know where I'm looking anymore. I don't even yeah. know what I'm, what I'm orienting myself to anymore. It's just a mess of frustration and everywhere everybody has a a a completely justified case to point fingers elsewhere everybody is also completely in the wrong and is the one screwing up everything i don't know what to tell you the first biggest problem is i don't know what to tell you i would try to solve if i had the decision making at coaching as a head coach as a general manager as a quarterback I, i don't know where i would even begin it's just a complete mess and the only thing that I'm positive was bad was picking Jalen Hurts at 53 because that screwed your quarterback, it screwed your coaching staff, and it screwed your general manager. And it's what started this whole ticking clock in the first place. Right. Yeah. The Eagles could have yeah. made a better pick at 53 to make the team better. The quarterback's now got to deal with the fact that he's got a guy behind him who could potentially usurp him. And the coaching staff has to deal with potentially putting Jalen Hurts in because Carson Wentz is playing terribly. So the Hurts pick helps nobody. That, I'm positive, is bad. Everything else, total mess. Yeah, you know, I had said coming into the season – after they picked Hertz, I wanted like Wentz to be the guy. And, and it didn't need to be like a crazy psycho Tom Brady type competitiveness. I wanted to see him come out with a little bit of fire. Then you dare pick a quarterback in the second round when you have me. And I am seeing none of that, man. He just does not look confident 
in himself. Wentz does not, and you can just tell he is overthinking things to to to, to mm-hmm. just his complete detriment. And you know, you look around at, at the rest of the offense. Jalen Rager is not in there this game. Jason Peters gets banged up again. Oh, Jason Peters. We could talk. We could talk about that because what was it? Three pressures. Remember when Jason Peters was bad in 2019? Right. Remember when he didn't play well in 2019? He was no. He was fine in 2019. I thought he was fine. Okay. Okay. Replacement level starting offensive tackle play. Right. Remember when Jason Peters was not what he was supposed to be? You know, go, going back to what this team is supposed to be. Right. Da da da. da. Oh yeah. Like, the whole, like, all right, Peter's at left tackle. And Bear's like, oh, this will be better than when Dillard's in there. No. Man. I disagree on that. That's what you're parsing. The 38-year-old beat-up veteran and the 23-year-old looking like a bust rookie. This neither, you know, it's like kissing your sister, Mike. <laughs> neither one of these are good options. <laughs> right. Like, if you want to talk about the decline in athleticism and kind of what that does, like, Peter's just couldn't drop an anchor because he doesn't have the, the knee. He can't bend his knees and can't stick his hips. Like, right. he just can't build a house anymore. He's so top-heavy. Right, so so Peter's obviously uh, incurs the injury. Don't know what his status is. Don't know if it's on the timeline currently. Could be looking at a Jordan Mailata, Jack Driscoll appearance on the offensive line. Could be the Eagles' fourth starting offensive line in four games. In game one, they started Herbig Driscoll on the right side. And then game obviously one, game okay. two, Lane came back. Mm-hmm. And then game three, they switched Pryor and, and Herbig after the same other injury. So if Peters misses game four, the Eagles will be starting four different offensive lines in four consecutive weeks. This is what this season is. Yeah. Like, like, how can you expect anything from anyone when you're starting four offensive lines in four weeks? But also, why are you so bad, Carson? Like, just, <laughs> and like, just, and that, that's, the, that's the fourth different line, even with two different line configuration changes in the offseason with the injuries to Dillard. <laughs> And Brandon Brooks at different points in the season. It's like they right. can't. What is the line? <laughs> <laughs> I might be a little hysterical right now, but what yeah. is the line? Just killed me. <laughs> Speaking of hysterical, I, I wanted to ask you this. I was thinking, like, what should I ask Mike during the podcast? What was the moment for you that caused the most hysterical laughter during the game? What was the play for you where you just like busted out laughing because you just couldn't deal with it anymore? Oh, Had to have been I, one. I, I mean, I do think that the one that I mentioned at already just hurts fumbling and then Wentz just completely missing a deep shot. It's unbelievable. And then I think it was around that time that I saw that Nick Foles was in the game for the Bears and yeah. threw a touchdown that was eventually overruled. Foles throwing a touchdown. And was, he still let him back. Right. It was, to me, like a, a ridiculous play. I think the one that really got me was third and the, eight the geo, in overtime. Whoa. No, oh, no, not Gio Bernard. Gio okay. Bernard, everybody and their mama had to have known Gio Bernard was coming. That's the longest third down the Eagles defense has faced this year. They have to give it up by like the 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 deal they made with the witch, you know, years ago when Jim Schwartz was signed. No, it was a third and eight in overtime where it was their first possession and they had like a little run and then an incompletion. It's like third and eight. And their first third down play, third and eight, so like third and, and six plus in overtime was the immediate swing to Miles Sanders that Wentz just like beamed at his back hip and he was like nowhere near him, right? Be- because it's like, all right, third and eight, you got to win it. This is it. Seven minutes left. Like, it's overtime. What is your go-to play? It's like, all right, well, we cannot let the quarterback read anything. That's obviously out of the picture. Right. Uh, we cannot throw the ball to a wide receiver. That's mm-hmm. no, no chance. And quarterback can't be in the pocket for more than like a second. Uh, and we're not going to roll them out. So we will just throw a screen that actually doesn't wait 
so that the defense knows where the ball is going. This yeah. will be what we do. This will, we'll just have Sanders get 15 yards of yak. That'll be the solution. They had three third downs in overtime. And I'm pretty sure uh, third down passing attempts on over in overtime. And I'm fairly certain Miles Sanders was the target on every single one. Let me double check. Okay. First one. Yes. Third and eight Miles Sanders. Next one punt. Yes. Third and 19 deep left Miles Sanders. Third and seven. Oh no. In overtime, the third and seven one was to Greg Ward. Excuse me. It was to Greg Ward. So the Eagles third down passing targets in overtime in a game where they really needed to win were Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders and Greg Ward. (sighs) Josh Sweat was good. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to talk about the defense after the break, but Miles Sweat, uh, Miles Sweat, Miles wow. Sweat, baby. Miles Sanders did have a good day on the ground, which I'm surprised they weren't running the ball earlier more often in the game. And you'd never hear me say that, but 18 uh, for 95 yards with a 5.3 average. Then, of course, getting involved in the in the passing game for a big whopping four receptions that went 12 freaking yards on eight targets. So that's fun. Uh, when we come back here, we'll, we'll talk about the defense. We'll get to some three words from the gentle listeners. And we'll try to make sense, it's not possible, of this 23-23 to thriller in overtime tie for the Eagles. That's coming up next here on the Kisten Solak Show. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 196, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, 
Uh, you mentioned Josh Sweat before we go to break, and we might as well talk about the defense a little bit. So just a few notes from me, and then you can you can pop off some notes. Uh, the Josh Sweat sack against Jonah Williams was really, really pretty. Much higher quality than the DB special, the Derek Barnett sack against the tight end, which it seems to be like that's the only time he gets them. But Josh Sweat starting this game, by the way, uh, did the, was it the double hand swipe right, getting his feet pointed to the right, to the yeah. peak of the he pocket, likes, turning dude, the that corner. side scissors, baby. He likes yes. it. He's been throwing that more and more recently. Hey, Josh Sweat. Listen, here's the thing. 2019. If you would ask me who's a better player between Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett, I would have said they're probably right about the same. Now, obviously, Sweat's got a year less as a pro, was a lower draft capital stock. But in terms of impact, in terms of who you wanted on the field, Barnett clearly better in run defense, Sweat clearly a better pass rusher. Overall, pretty similar players. I would have gone Vinnie Curry, Derek Barnett, and then right under him, Josh Sweat. Right. Overall, 2020, Sweat's clearly played better than Barnett. Yeah. Which is great news for the Eagles. But the main thing is, they're willing to start Sweat over Barnett. Crazy. And the main, the main thing off the main thing is that you can do nothing else. For the rest of the game, which Sweat didn't. He was very active. If you have a sack on the first third down after you get the start, mm. you start next week. Like, you know right. what I mean? Like, that's 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 immediate over to the sideline. Like, yeah, it was good. He, he wipes <laughs> the sweat off, which I think is a – I'm in on that celebration. You got to <laughs> lean into it when you got a last name like Sweat. Yeah. Um, big time play there. Yeah. Sweat playing well is, is good news um, because the Eagles, who are going to be looking to save money over the next couple of years, are, you know – tricky contract situation with Derek Barnett who's going to have his fifth year option uh next year in 2021 yeah wait math 2017 2018 yeah fifth year option in 2021 Mm -hmm. um that's not a contract I personally would be picking up the Eagles are clearly higher on Derek Barnett than I am if sweat really continues to grow throughout this year it makes that decision a little bit easier uh and potentially helps the Eagles save money by moving on from Derek Barnett so that's something to monitor if you start looking long term obviously given the Eagles performance so far this season we expect them to be aggressively shedding contract money uh, for yep. the uh, 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 for the the foreseeable couple of years. Obviously, that was something they're going to have to deal with anyway uh, because of the lower cap ceiling in 2021. But Josh Sweat playing well is good news. Darius Slay, oh man, Great really player. happy he's good. Would have loved to have had him one or two years ago, brother. Um, <laughs> team is terrible around him. I mean, every every passing attack just completely avoids him. When they don't, they get punished. Third and four. Yeah. in a must-have a situation for the Bengals, and they 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 looked at the guy Darius Slay is covering. I was shocked. They <laughs> never looked his way again. That makes sense. Uh, when they, on that two-minute drive down the first half, they were just working Avante Maddox. You know what I mean? T. Higgins yep. on Avante Maddox. We talked about it. Avante had a nice PBU on Higgins there, actually. Did a good job contesting one. Um, but that was that, that, that was a big-time matchup for them. Obviously, uh, the Bengals really should have, and very well could have had a game-winning opportunity on the deep pass to T. Higgins, but I was just a little bit behind that one late in overtime. Nick Roby Coleman gets the pass breakup, but the Eagles did not have the horses to play man cover, especially when Avante Maddox went down. Uh, it's going to continue to be a problem for them for the rest of the season when they want to go man. They're not able to take away the first read consistently. Anytime they did, pressure was arriving right on time with Burrow. The pass rush was extremely sick, exactly as it should have been against this offensive line. Uh, and then when they go zone, they could be a little bit successful, but there's this young man wearing 47 in the middle of the field. And, you know, Nate Gary, I will give him credit. Throughout that second half, started to figure out where passing lanes were developing behind him. Started to get a feel for the first guy releasing and the second guy releasing. Ball going to number two on the inside cut and whatever. Mm-hmm. But even when he knows where it's going, he's not quick enough or big enough to get there. He's stubby and he doesn't have good transitions. So it's like, 
you know, like uh, credit for recognizing. That's nice to see. That's obviously good. But he still is making black plays in the football. And then obviously he gets out in the red zone and has no idea what's going on again. What the hell was Nate Gary doing on the T. Higgins touchdown? Because I think he I think he's trying to robot the crosser as well, as okay. Higgins comes across. But he ends up just sprinting towards the sideline and the ball just comes right off his back. It's actually extremely funny and kind of cute. Because <laughs> firstly, he's, he's reading play action, he's reading his run fit. Sees one release in front of him, sees him cross. Once he acknowledges it's play action, which, as per usual, is like a beat after everybody else. It's a process. He realizes that he's going to have a crosser developing behind him. Uh huh. And so he realizes, like, I'm not in a good position. I'm messing up. This is bad. And this is where it gets cute, right? He's yeah, like, yeah. this is danger. So he's like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just turn and sprint as hard as I can, you know, to the, the sideline to get underneath this crosser because I'm clearly getting beat. And in doing so, he beats himself because the guy was right behind him. Yes. And if he just turned and located, he could have gotten into the catch point. Like, he could have made a great play. He could have. But instead, he was like, I got to get back. It reminded me of that Atlanta Falcons play, a play action last year, where he, like, figured out it was it was the one where the Falcons were backed up, remember? We talked about the podcast. Yes. That was my favorite play ever. Yeah. Right? And he figures out his play action so much later than everybody else. And then when he figures out his play action, he's like, shoot, I'm in trouble. So he turns around and he just sprints <laughs> straight back as fast as he can, robbing a crosser successfully. Yeah. That was not his responsibility. <laughs> and the guy with his responsibility is wide open. Yeah. Right? So it's like when he realizes it's play action and he's like, shoot, I got caught. He just puts his head down and runs. <laughs> like He's like, I'm going to get as far back or as far over as fast as possible. And hopefully... The dude I'm supposed to cover is there. So in turn, like when we talk about zone awareness, we talk about like spatial awareness, which is a common thing we talk about for linebackers because oftentimes their zones inquire, require them to have eyes in the backfield dropping back. They need to have a sense where things are developing. Nate Gary is just the example of what it doesn't look like. Yeah. Just there's no idea. Meanwhile, the first T. Higgins touchdown and the the the, uh, the broadcaster who I later learned was Adam Archuleta, longtime safety for the uh, Chicago Bears. Was having himself a game, calling this game. I'll be I honest. Thought he, yeah, I um, thought he was bad. Yeah, it was really bad. He identifies for the snap. He goes, "Hey, that's the uh, that's the formation the Rams used <laughs> on their one touchdown catch against the Eagles." And it's like, "Yeah, brother, that's a bunch set." Eagles got three over three. Jalen Mills yep. staring right at it, just sees the receiver release. As Avante's got that one, mm-hmm. brother. Two receivers released. You are the second man. Yep. You have the second release. Like I'll watch it back on all twenty-two to make sure, but I'm ninety-five percent sure it's but on Mills. It doesn't. It doesn't even matter because Mills, who is touted as one of the smartest guys on the team, along with with Nate Gary, Mills is involved in almost all of these busts that have been happening from these bunch formations, either as a corner or as a safety. If he's not directly at fault, he's somehow involved in the in the communication to where after the play, everyone is looking at each other saying. Where the hell are you? And this continues to happen to the Eagles. With the, They mentioned, mm-hmm. oh, the Eagles have really struggled with stack and bunch sets the last couple of weeks. It's been happening for three years. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. It's funny because it's like, all right, like, yeah, they got they got us on that one, brother. Oh, man, I had a bad game plan. I'm doing my gym shorts. I had a bad game plan. <laughs> and I got to be better. And then the next week, whether or not there is a new game plan, I don't know. 
the Eagles lose to the exact same set, not the same route combination, <laughs> right. but the exact same set. Yep. So either you went to install new rules and they can't handle it, which is an indictment not only on the personnel, but on your coaching, or you didn't install new rules and they still can't handle it. It was an indictment on your personnel, an indictment on your coaching. The, the, the Eagles and Mike's, you know, this, this, is a, this is a hot one here. They're bad. Like, it's a bad team. It's not a well-coached team. It's not a team that's performing well. Who's the veteran leader on defense? Fletch isn't that guy. Brandon Graham? Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. At the linebacker level, there's nobody. At the mm-hmm. defensive backfield level, there's nobody. Rodney McLeod's not that guy. There's no Melk. There's no Jenkins. And is Jenkins looking like a spry spring chicken over in New Orleans? Nope. No. But what he would mean to this team just getting everybody in the right daggum spot. Yep. God, they're so... The the best. The best thing is watching Trevor Williams walk away from that second T. Higgins touchdown just in total dejection as the practice squatter who was called up to start knowing that he got screwed over by the starting middle linebacker. (laughs) He was like, he was there. Where's my support? He just like, he like puts hands up and he just walks away. He's like, I don't like what, like I just, please put me back in Los Angeles. Like, why am I here? Oh, it's so pitiful. Um, Some other defensive notes, I guess we should probably get to. You mentioned Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham had a great freaking day, yeah, man. man. He was Bobby eating. Fletcher Hart. Cox was eating too. Malik Jackson was eating. Like the defense's line, it's starting to come on a bit, right? Oh, it, I mean, it's been there. I, so my for my three numbers that matter uh, for the Eagles-Bengals matchup piece, I wrote about the fact the Eagles are fourth in pass, pass rush win rate for ESPN so far in the season. The three teams they are behind, by the way, uh, I think it's the Bills, the Rams, and the Steelers. I know it's the Bills and the Steelers. I can't remember the other team. They're right. all 2-0, and the Eagles were all 2-0. Right, and so it is to say that like really good pass rush, really good pass rush, really good pass rush, really good pass rush. One of these things is not like the other, and it's the Eagles because they cannot cover this game again. Like this was like a very simple game. If the Eagles were able to keep, have Joe Burrow keep the ball for long enough, pressure was going to arrive. Right, like on the first third down of the game, Josh Sweat is the sack. On the second third down of the game, Josh Sweat is a pressure that leads to an incompletion, and it's just because they're getting Burrow to hold on to the football. Mm. What do the Bengals do in the second half? Exactly what Washington did in the second half. Yep. They come out and they're just saying, we're just going to get rid of the football. Like Burrow, everything's breaking five to eight yards. Find 29. He's the really short one. Find 31. Find 41. He's the practice squatter. Yeah. Throw the guy, throw it to the guy who's on him. And they move Tyler Boyd around and the Eagles weren't having Slay follow Tyler Boyd, which is really funny because when, when Jim Schwartz talked about the thing, he was all like, talked about Darius Slay shadowing, right? He was like, this is why a player like Jalen Mills is so valuable because then Slay can move into the slot and Jalen Mills can move outside because he's played outside corner. Right. Meanwhile, they didn't do it when Tyler Boyd was having a great game. So, all of this to say, I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> I was just saying that the defensive line was eaten today, man. That's yeah, it. Yeah, right. Cox, all of this Jackson, to say, Graham. yeah, the Eagles were fourth in pass rush win rate coming into the game. Yep. They're going to be even better after this game, obviously. Fletcher Cox murdered Billy Price for four quarters. Billy Price not a good ball player, but Fletcher Cox still did him a, de- uh, a, a bad way. Anyway, they're, they're going to be much better. And the defense, like, it, it, it's tough to be super upset about what the defense did relative to, obviously, the offense and then the coaching decisions. But also, like, I was out here pr- predicting a 9-10-13 point game for the Bengals. And the Bengals did put 23 up. The two scoring drives that the Bengals got that were touchdowns, uh, the one to end the first half and then the one to start the second half, very easy formula, you know what I mean? It's just quick game, uh, uh, spread them and shred them. And, and there's no reason to not do that against Philadelphia, especially when their their secondary is further injury depleted. So, I don't know, like, I, um, I, I, there's a lot of, like, you know, 
time to see Jalen Hurts, time to see this, time to see that sentiments with which I don't agree. I think that the number one priority for the Eagles this season should be doing whatever is necessary to get Carson Wentz right. Because mm. even if you, you okay, Carson Wentz can be bad forever and Jalen Hurts is really good. Even if like you believe that, you have Carson for the next three years. You're not going to be able to trade that contract. You can't do it. Only team that would maybe think about it would be the Jets or the Colts. We're not having this conversation right now. I, 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 I suggested that possibly 2022, it's Carson Wentz and Nick Foles fighting for the starting quarterback job in Chicago because that story will never die, and that's a, that's a fitting end. It's just so hard. It's So, like, so contract-wise, you're tethered <laughs> to Carson Wentz. You gave him that deal. You got to get him right. He is... Yeah. No matter what you think of Carson, he is clearly a better player than this, right? No matter what you've believed about Carson for the first four years, there's no doubt that he's a better quarterback than what we've seen over the past three mm-hmm. weeks. So your first I mean, priority is getting him right. You're looking at $59 million in dead cap next year, yeah. $25 million in dead cap 2022. The, you, you have to get your investment right. I 100% right, yeah. agree with you there. Yeah. So So the number one priority is that. But the number two priority for me, let, like I want to see what Sean Bradley can do. Oh, you thought Davian Taylor was a good project? Let's start getting him some snaps so he's used to NFL speed. Yeah. Brother, I think Kayvon Wallace can be a good player for this team. I do. I like Kayvon Wallace a lot. Let's put, let's, put, let's put the players out there. What are you losing? Get what are you field. losing when you take yep. TJ Edwards off the field for Davian Taylor? There can't <laughs> actually be anything measurable, right? TJ Edwards got to Joe Burrow. ripped out of his socks by Joe Burrow, who's not slow, but he's not really that fast, guys. Yeah. Ugh. Like, it's just, I don't, like, what, uh, what semblance? You cannot claim to a semblance of continuing to compete, you just elected to tie. And that goes back to my salient opening point. Once you do that, like, oh, we're going to build off this. No, you're not. You just chose to tie. You punted. You punted metaphorically and literally. And accordingly, I'd like to see what your young players can do. I would like to see if John Hightower can be anything for this team. Why not? What is there left? What dignity have we that remains? Like, come on. Carson Wentz doesn't want to see that because he looked at it like he looked at him like seven different times. The the one where it went right over Hightower's hands and then dropped into Earth, and Hightower was like, "That wasn't for me." Like he had yeah, so well, many I was moments like, where he was you're, open. You're, you you took a a a, a mesh, you took a a, a, yeah. a shallow dig and made it out, but that's on you. You gotta stay in your lane, Tiger. Um, but yeah, no, it's like it's just you know, okay, if JJ or Thigga Whiteside, who <laughs> God. <laughs> If JJ think of Whiteside, if John Hightower, if Greg Ward are going to be anything long term, they need to have some sort of relationship with the quarterback, and and only Ward arguably does. Put him on the field, throw him the football. Mm-hmm. You're going to cut Deshaun for cap reasons anyway. Yeah, not like he's reliable. The hamstring games, the season's three games old, and he's been pulled out of two of them. One of them not for injury reasons, and the <laughs> other one definitely for injury reasons. Yeah. What? There's no There's no purpose. There's no long-term gain, and because you're 0-2-1, you're going to be 0-5-1 by the time the Niners, Steelers, Ravens slate is done. Get done with you. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no reason to pretend like you're competing. So, uh, young players, I'm ready. Like, I, it's freaking October, and I'd like to see the fourth-round rookies, man. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's where we're at. And I think that's where the gentle listeners are at too. So let's go to three words. Remember every week we do this and you give us your three words about the, the game that you just watched and we discuss the best responses here on the Kiss and Soul Act show. Make sure you're following at BGN underscore radio to follow along with that. The, the one in there that really surprised me because it was something that you said in the Slack. Tom Connors at Tom W. Connors says, Alan Freaky Friday Wentz, as in Josh Allen. Because, boy, who would have expected the the career yeah, arcs that they're taking separate of each other? Bill's going to win over the Rams. And, uh, I mean, I was with, with some help from a pass interference call, but that was uh, that was a crazy one. Mark Schofield from the QB Factory says, just fire everyone. I'm sure that's what everybody wants right now. Uh, what about John Gerlach at John Gerlach underscore VF? Butts for franchise. I mean, there's a lot of problems with this team. Front office, coaching right now. And the and the the players and the play that we're getting on the field, I think this is definitely uh, justified butts for franchise for the Philadelphia Eagles, especially when you're 0 two and one. You tied the freaking Bengals in overtime. Boy, oh boy! All right, Ben, what do you see in there? Shout some out. I'll be honest. I scrolled through the Bleeding Green Nation timeline for like ten minutes before I realized <laughs> it was not the BGN Radio timeline. I was like, "Where is the tweet? This is so hard to find." Um, I just I, I did I did not prep for this at all, so I was trying to like pitch it to you and be like, "Okay, Ben's got me," but like once again, no, here I don't. We are. I always I always just live react to them. Are you kidding me? Um, okay, Michael Campanaro at Michael Camps sent a gif of Trevor Lawrence, which is zero words. Uh, and is an image. So zero words, one image. We will never read it on. The, excuse me. We will never read it on the podcast because there are rules. Uh, Gene Actually, Worley the third at based Gene says o oh, fifteen one with little hyphens in between. That is three words. Two punctuation remarks, but that's fine. That has to happen sometimes. I mean, Mike over under like what three point five wins. Over under. That's got to be the line right now, right? For the season, three point five wins. Yeah. Now you usually Vegas isn't that like critical. I know. They, I'm not talking about Vegas. I'm talking about right now. Do you think this team wins more than three games this year? I think they were like probably what, like a four or five win team, right? I th- I think they went about four or five. I mean, I, I think mean, there's there's be, a chance be there's a chance that Wentz can just get in a rhythm for four or five games, and they can mm-hmm. win some. I don't think any of them are happening in the next three weeks. Uh so that's tough. So you would. So what are you? You're oh four and one at that at that point. Oh right? five and one. Oh five and one at that point. Mm-hmm. Boy, so you're already down six games. So out of ten games, yep. are they a 500 team in ten games? When this team, when this team, when this team, at like one six and one, beats the Cowboys like 42 to 38, <laughs> right? When like Rager's back and and mm-hmm. Gallard's back and Wood and Sam Malo's back, I'm gonna be so mad that yeah. they dared to actually like play well against the Cowboys. Um, here's one I really like. Art Vandelay of the QB Factory at Elijah Nettleton says, fire me, please. Which, I yeah, is a good policy. Good Listen, start. we've been calling for the firing of everybody forever. None of it's working. So just fire me from the fan base and solves the problem. At I'm not Jeffrey. His name is Mitchell, apparently. I got a feeling this guy's name is actually Jeffrey. He says, forget three words. I got a whole paragraph. Guess what, Mitchell, Jeffrey? I'm not reading that. Forget three Never. words. Yo, That's I just built realized, okay, thing. EJ Smith of uh, Philly Inquirer, Peterson says he'll look at the decision to punt in overtime tomorrow with clear eyes and decide if it was the right call. What does that mean? That's that's two times the cowardice. It's cowardice punting, Ugh. and then it's cowardice setting yourself up to tomorrow say it was the wrong decision. Yeah. Say it was the wrong Boy. decision now, because it was the wrong decision. You're dumb. 
That's Jeez. so lame. I'll look at it with clear eyes tomorrow. Also, with hazy eyes, as the head coach of a National Football League team, I was unsure if punting with 19 seconds left in overtime was a bad decision. That's so soft. Oh, that pisses me off. Uh, Seamus Clancy, <laughs> at Seamus underscore Clancy, shares from Instagram, Lutzy11 on Insta, Bench Wentz now. Don't have a three a Twitter, but those are my three words. Three words has officially branched into multiple social media outlets. That's the main thing to take away from this year. We have <laughs> people who follow Seamus on Twitter or on Instagram DMing him three words to get on our show, Mike. This is, is rarefied air. So shout out yeah. Lutzy11 on Instagram. If any of you Instagram me any three words, understand that I don't follow. I don't look at it. I don't even know how to log in. I've never checked my Instagram ever. But you can go for it if you feel like screaming into the abyss. So that's talking social media with Ben Solak. Back here on the Kiss and Solak show, man, I think we're ready to wrap this thing up. And any last thoughts and you want to say goodbye to the gentle listeners? Oh, yes. Um, mm. I had over Miles Sanders 91 rushing yards and I needed overtime to get it. Yeah, he had 90 <laughs> at the end of he had 90 at the end of regulation. And I got overtime. The Bengals got the ball first. I was, if they scored, I was going to be so mad. But it's okay. We made money on the game. Thank you, man, for listening as always to the Kiss and Solak show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. As per usual, we will uh, review the film to figure out just why the Eagles lost this game. Tough one. Riddle, figure it out, see what the issue was as to why they lose. Uh, but we'll let you know here on the podcast feed. Uh, there'll be written Are articles okay? as well, bleeding. Well, <laughs> Your tone yeah. got really weird there. I, I was not being sincere. I was oh. affecting my voice so as to indicate my lack of sincerity. Gotcha. Yeah, maybe maybe read a book sometime. You'll understand how these things go. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we have left way too much for a freaking tie, but yeah. like, what are you going to uh, do? Anyway, we're, Sorry, we're, we're slap happy. No, yeah. uh, it's on BGN Radio. Subscribe to the feed. Review the feed. Rate the feed. Say nice things to me in the comments. Uh, com. Say nice things to me in those comments, too, if you want. Usually don't read them because they are a mess. We'll have our usual slate of shows, um, but I imagine we will be adding some shows with some more forward-looking orientation to a certain event in April 2021 in the future soon. And so keep an eye out for that as well as we fully punt on caring about this season and start looking at Michael Parsons, middle linebacker for the Penn State Nittany Lions. He's a Michael oh, Kiss. Oh, Michael Kiss. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The draft. Okay. Yeah, you ever heard of it? Uh, sometimes I cover it too. So I might even be, yeah, I'm going to be given. No, uh, he's been Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Uh, yeah. We're all, we, yeah. Okay. okay. We all we got. Bye. We all we need. Ty Eagles tie. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. 
Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Call mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.